This advocate helped save the lives of over 2,500 children by smuggling them out of the Warsaw Ghetto during the World War II Holocaust. With a strong sense of justice instilled in her from the time she was a little girl, she did what was right even if it put her life at risk. This is the story of Irina Sendler. Irina was born on February 15, 1910 in Otwock, Poland. Her father, Dr. Stainslaw, was a physician, her mother, Janina, a homemaker. Fun fact, her grandfather helped lead the rebellion against Tsarist Russia, so that's cool. So Dr. Stainslaw was by all accounts a really incredible man and father. He provided free medical care for the impoverished, many of which belonged to the Jewish community in their area. At the time, a pandemic was raging, uh, sounds familiar, <laughs> and with a lack of access to basic necessities like nutrition and sanitation, the poor were thought to be some of the biggest spreaders. So Dr. Stainslaw treated them even when his colleagues refused. On one of these visits, when Irina was seven, he contracted typhus. One of the last things he ever said to her was, if you see someone drowning, you must try to rescue them, even if you cannot swim. He died soon after. One really beautiful thing I do want to mention is that the poor he treated gathered together to support Irina and her mother after her father's passing, bringing them meals with what little food they had and watching Irina while Janina organized the funeral. They even raised money to help send Irina to school, though Janina turned them down. All that's interesting writes, as Irina grew older, she proved herself a fitting heir to her parents' legacy. At university, where she studied Polish literature, she was a vocal critic of the system that segregated Jewish pupils from their non-Jewish counterparts during classes and lectures. She frequently joined Jewish friends on the other side of the aisle, and when a Jewish friend was beaten, she crossed out the stamp on her grade card that marked her as a Gentile and made the move permanent. The administration wasn't a fan. They suspended her for three years. So from the get-go, Irina was not going to sit idly by and accept injustice. In 1931, Irina got married and the couple moved to Warsaw. So at the time, Warsaw had the second largest Jewish population next to New York City. So they moved there right at the start of World War II. Um, Irina worked as a social worker there, managing canteens across the city. And canteens were basically little stations in poorer areas that provided food, clothing, medicine, financial aid to the kind of all of the above. So when the Nazis invaded Poland, all that's interesting writes, the entire Polish social welfare department was barred from helping any Polish Jews. They would be served by the institutions in their own communities, the Germans said. So obviously this is a lie because Jews at the time weren't allowed to own or operate any institutions, but whatever. So Irina Sendler wasn't going to let that stop her. She enlisted a group of supportive co-workers and she began to create falsified papers under Christian names that enabled her and her team to help Jewish families. Over four years, she fabricated over 3,000 documents. 
Irina and her team claimed that those they were helping had really highly infectious diseases like typhus and tuberculosis, which prevented them from being inspected by the Nazis, which honestly is a genius move. They're basically banking on a Nazi inspector pulling a creed from the office, and it totally worked. In 1940, the Warsaw Ghetto was created, where almost 400,000 Jews living in Warsaw were rounded up and sent to live. History on the Net writes, The ghetto covered an area of approximately 1.3 square miles surrounded by a 3.5-meter wall topped with barbed wire and broken glass. The area contained around 1,500 houses to accommodate the 400,000 Jews. The average number of people occupying each room was 7.2. So obviously this was incredibly inhumane, incredibly unsustainable. It was terrible and Warsaw wasn't the only place it got a ghetto. There were many ghettos across um, Germany and the states and areas that they invaded and these were just another ways to humiliate um, and segregate the Jewish community. So food rations allotted only 200 calories per person per day, none of which included any meat, vegetables, or fruit. It's estimated that about 6,000 people were dying of starvation or disease every single month. In 1941, the penalty for helping a Jew was death. Still, Irina continued to serve those most vulnerable. In 1942, the ghetto was completely sealed off from the rest of the world, and mass deportations began. Residents were told they were being resettled elsewhere, but they were actually being sent to death camps. Irina and her colleagues sprang into action. Holocaust Matters writes, after the underground Polish resistance group for the Provisional Committee to Aid the Jews, Zagota, was established in 1942, Irina was soon appointed as head of its children's division. During her position with Zagota, Irina and her team helped to rescue around 2,500 Jewish children from the Warsaw Ghetto. There were four main ways in which Irina's team would smuggle children from the ghetto, these being as follows. Smuggled through an old courthouse next to the ghetto, escaped through underground passages such as a sewer, hidden in luggage bag and then carried out by a trolley, and via ambulance, hidden under stretchers, faking illness, or genuinely being ill. Those rescued were smuggled into orphanages or other religious institutions that took in vulnerable children. Irina used her contacts in those places to make sure the children got in under false names. The Jewish Virtual Library adds, some children were taken out in gunny sacks or body bags. Some were buried inside loads of goods. A mechanic took a baby out in his toolbox. Some kids were carried out in potato sacks. Others were placed in coffins. Some entered a church in the ghetto that had two entrances. So one entrance opened into the ghetto, the other into the Aryan side of Warsaw. So they came into the church as Jews and they exited as Christians. So the children who were old enough to speak were also taught Christian prayers in case they were tested. Um, Irina just thought of everything. So she later recalled in life how parents were sometimes really dubious when she approached them about getting their children out, um, as they should be. Now, she did wear a star on an armband um, anytime she went in to kind of show that she was an ally of the Jews. But still, I mean, you're basically going to someone and saying, hey, I can get your kid out, but not you. Let me take them. So they wanted a guarantee that their kid would be safe, which she obviously couldn't promise. All she could tell them was that at least outside of the ghetto, the child would have a chance. Staying inside at that point was basically certain death. 
So Irina's end goal was to reunite all the families after war. She kept really detailed records of each child's original name, where they were sent for safekeeping, and what their new fake name was. She coded her records and hand-wrote them, burying them in mason jars under an apple tree, which is just so crazy to me. So unfortunately, after the war, after all that time had passed, a lot of those children's parents had died. Um, but Irina did still make sure she tracked down every child, told them what happened to them, where they came from, as much information as she could about their families, um, and tried to help reconnect them with at least uh, relatives, if not their original parents. So on October 20th, 1943, Irina was arrested by the Gestapo under suspicion she was part of an underground resistance. Plot twist, she was basically running it. <laughs> so Irina was tortured and imprisoned. She had both her legs and her feet broken. She was interrogated for hours at a time, the Gestapo demanding she give them information on the other Zagoda members and where and how she, quote, stole, end quote, the children. Irina never flinched. Any information she gave is false, and when they realized this, she was sentenced to death. But the Zagoda never left any member behind. They bribed the guard at the prison where she was awaiting death to let her escape, and it worked. So funnily enough, the next day posters popped up all over Warsaw claiming she'd been shot dead, kind of as a warning to others. Obviously, she was not dead. She was just in hiding. Um, I don't know if this is true, but I really like the idea that the guard the Zagoda bribed was just standing outside the empty cell counting his money when the head Gestapo guy was like, where's the traitor? And the guard was like, oh, um, she is dead. I shot her. I know you are squeamish around blood, so I took care of it. Um, but who knows? That's probably not true. <laughs> that's my revisionist history, apparently. Irina had to stay, like, dead, because that's what the Nazis thought. So she got her contacts to create false documentation so she could have a new identity. So she then pivoted, working as a nurse for the remainder of the war. Honestly, props to her. I feel like so many people would just tap out after that, like, there's a warrant for me. If I pop up alive, I will be killed on the spot. I'm so over it. But she was like, no, I'm going to keep working and keep serving. And I just think that's really honorable. After the war, Irina was heavily involved in politics, education, and social work. She held many high-level positions, and she was recognized as a fighter. Wikipedia notes, at every stage of her career, she worked long hours and was intensely involved in various social work programs, such as helping teenage prostitutes in the ruins of post-war Warsaw recover and return to society, organizing a number of orphanages and care centers for children, families, and the elderly, or a center for prostitutes in Henrikau. She was known for her effectiveness and displayed a sharp edge when confronted with obstruction or indifference. Because I think it is important that we don't ignore the messy pieces of someone's life, um, I think it's worth noting that her personal life did suffer a lot because of her activism. Her marriages and her children always came second to her work, causing just a lot of pain to those who loved her. Her daughter described her not as a bad mother or person, but just absent, um, and just how, like, she was there and saved so many kids, but she couldn't be there for her own kids. 
Irina received recognition for her efforts closer to the end of her life, so her story was kind of recovered in a sense thanks to a Kansas City high school. Their website notes, in the fall of 1999, a rural Kansas teacher, Mr. Conrad, encouraged three students to work on a year-long National History Day project to meet their classroom motto, he who changes one person changes the world entirely. Three students accepted the challenge. Mr. Conrad showed them a short clipping from a report which said, Irina Sendler saved many from the Warsaw Ghetto in 1942. Mr. Conrad told the girls the article might be a typographical error since he had not heard of this woman or her story, so the students began their research and looked for primary and secondary sources throughout the year. So these students learned the details of Irina's work and were like, okay, more people need to hear about this. And they put together a play called Life in a Jar and performed it for History Day. It was such a success that they eventually turned this project into an entire organization. The play's been performed all over the world and the students even got to connect with Irina herself. So they exchanged tons of letters back and forth with Irina while she was still alive. In one of them, Irina wrote, my emotion is being shattered by the fact that my co-workers have passed on and these honors fall to me. I can't find words to thank you for my own country and the world to know of the bravery of rescuers. Before the day you had written Life in a Jar, the world did not know our story. Your performance and work is continuing the effort I started over 50 years ago. You are my dearly beloved ones. So you can learn more about the Life in a Jar project and the ways in which they keep the memory of Irina and other Holocaust survivors alive at irinasendler.org. They're focused on advocacy and education specifically within high schools around the United States. As Irina's story became more well-known, awards and accolades came her way. She was recognized for her bravery and her diligence, but still to her dying day, she always said she feels like she could have done more and that that really haunts her. To which I say, Irina, you did incredible. You did so much more. You went above and beyond, and so many people are alive today because of your bravery. It's such an empathetic sentiment for her to feel like she could have done more, but she did great. There's no need for regret. She did the best she could at the time. One award she didn't win that she was being considered for was the 2007 Nobel Peace Prize. The person who won instead? Frickin' Al Gore for The Inconvenient Truth, where he talks about the effect of mankind on climate change from his private jet. Listen, I'm all for climate change. It's a real thing. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say that I'm all for climate change. I don't like climate change. But it's a thing. It's important. It deserves our attention. But come on. So, Irina Sendler passed away on May 12th, 2008 at the age of 98. She's buried in Warsaw, where so many people benefited from her courage. The children she rescued are all elderly now, and many of them credit her with giving them the chance to grow old. And that is the story of Irina Sendler. Sources for today's episode are All That's Interesting, History on the Net, Holocaust Matters, the Jewish Virtual Library, the Life in a Jar Project, and, as always, a sprinkling of Wikipedia. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Scarlet Letter Woman, the podcast about incredible women throughout history. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and follow along on Instagram at Scarlet Letter Woman. Have a great rest of your day.